A. It's Terry Gorry, and this is the Irish Law and Small Business Podcast. Okay, in this video I'm going to take a look at the decision in the Court of Appeal case involving the Board of Management of Wilson's Hospital School and Enoch Burke. You will be aware of that Enoch Burke brought an appeal against certain High Court orders which were made against him. Essentially these orders prevented him or prohibited him from teaching at the school or attending at the school until the resolution of the uh, dispute between him and the school which is obviously the employer. Now he tested and uh, appealed the validity and the lawfulness and the constitutionality of the High Court orders, two separate High Court orders which were made by two separate judges in the High Court. He lost his case last week in the Court of Appeal, all three judges, and it's important that you understand that there was three judges involved in the Court of Appeal decision. I've made a video already about the President Birmingham's decision and I've gone through that in some detail explaining how Birmingham arrived at his decision to reject the appeal and uh, the reasons for it and so on and so forth but there was three decisions three court of appeal judges there's the president Birmingham there's Edwards J and there's Whelan J in this video I want to take a look at the decision of Maura Whelan, Justice Maura Whelan. You'll see there on the screen it was delivered on the 7th of March 2023. There was a bit of a dust up, a bit of a controversy on the day in question because obviously all of the Burks were removed forcibly from the Court of Appeal by the Gardaí and the Court rose on a couple of occasions when it tried to deliver its decisions, dis deliver its judgments. So what happened was they were posted as they normally would be electronically and uh, the intention obviously was to read through the judgments but that opportunity uh, wasn't granted and uh, the decisions then were just handed down as it were and posted electronically. As I say I've already looked at the George Birmingham uh, president of the Court of Appeals, his judgment and his decision. This one I'm going to look at Justice Maura Whelan. Justice Maura Whelan, anybody who may be interested in Irish politics and so forth, was, I understand, an Attorney General in a previous government involving the Labour Party. So that's her, her one of her backgrounds. Obviously, she's a judge of the Court of Appeal and her decision is here in this. So introduction then, she you'll see there, she sets out the statutory framework in which a Board of Management operates in Ireland in the Irish education system and basically it operates pursuant to the Education Act of 1998. She goes on then to look at the functions of and the duties of the Board of Management in paragraph 3. Paragraph 4 then she elaborates further on that and sets out what the functions uh, will be carried out by the Board. Then she goes on, and you'll see there she has a title on this paragraph, The Characteristic Spirit of the School. 
She refers to the characteristic spirit of the respondent school. So just to be clear, Wilson's Hospital School is the respondent school here because Enoch Burke was appealing against the order granted to the respondent school, granted to his employer, Wilson's Hospital School. You see there that she refers to uh, the aims of the Anglican Christian tradition and apparently Wilson's Hospital School is a Church of Ireland co-educational post-primary school with the Church of Ireland and Anglican ethos under the patronage of the Archbishop and Bishops of the Church of Ireland. She goes on then to have a look at the ethos and the aims of the school which are aimed at promoting the education of the whole person regarding their spiritual, physical, intellectual, social, emotional, aesthetic and moral development in harmony with the Christian faith etc etc which seeks to, and you'll see here she's underlined, which seeks to be characterised by inclusivity in approach, conveying certain values, being reflexive, affirming of the student and caring. So that is what she identifies as the ethos of this particular school. We'll go on further then and you'll see there she underlines this understanding of school ethos promotes pluralism in thought and living in the context of a Christian school community. The core values of the school are said to include faith, excellence, justice. She goes on then, you'll see there, to underline the core values to include being open to continually, being self-reflective, combating our own biases, desires and motivations and engaging with pluralism of thought. And you'll see there she makes reference to emphasis added. So she's underlined those uh, particular aspirations of the school. She has another paragraph, then you'll see there, in loco parentis. So she goes on then to point out or observe that Mr. Burke teaches German and history and he holds, and as he's entitled to, gender critical views based on his religion. She goes on then to look at the situation which developed in or occurred in May 2022 when the school principal communicated with staff, including the appellant, that a student at the school henceforth would be known by a new name and the nominated pronoun they. The board characterised the communication from the principal as a request. The appellant characterises it as a demand. So there's a clear conflict there. Mr Burke saw it as a demand and the principal and the board looked at it as a request. There was a affidavit filed then in September 2022 where Mr Burke said that it, the question of addressing the student in this way would be incompatible with my Christian beliefs the Christian ethos of the school and the welfare of the children. On 10th of May, the appellant communicated with Inter Alia, the school principal, stating, re-embarking, uh, student embarking on a social transition. Can you confirm to me that parents of students in the school have been informed that their children will be told that one of their classmates is to be referred as they instead of and they leave the name blank there to protect the identity of the young person, the child or the pupil. And that they must now approve this by referring to the student in this manner. Has the chaplain agreed to this? I'm shocked that students in this school are being forced to accept this position. The principal 
responded approximately 12 minutes later stating all due care has been taken there is no agreement required from chaplain there's no suggestion of force by or for anyone involved if you're not willing to include the student in your classroom going forward please make an appointment to see me at our mutual convenience the appellant throughout that's mr burke has characterized the communication from the principal as effectively coercive Mr. Burke then, in his email of the 10th of May 2022 at 10.15 to the school principal, he observed it's wrong that this belief system will be forced upon students and I will be taking this further. It is an abuse of children and their constitutional rights. A meeting then took place on Wednesday 19th of May between Mr. Burke, the principal and the deputy principal of the school regarding the request by the student and the student's parents as to how they were to be addressed and the identifying pronouns to be used henceforward. The principal, in her August 2022 report, pursuant to stage four of the disciplinary procedures, states, I invited Mr. Burke to meet with me and Mr. John Galligan, deputy principal, to discuss the concerns that had been raised by him by email and at the staff meeting. A meeting took place on the 18th of May. At the meeting, Mr. Burke asserted that I was preventing him from expressing his personal beliefs, going on to state that I was going out of my way to defy the ethos and teachings of the Church of Ireland. As teachers are required to take a role in certain classes in circumstances where Mr Burke had indicated his unwillingness to address the student by their chosen name and pronoun, I asked Mr Burke what he'd do if he had to call to the role if this particular child was in his class. Mr Burke did not respond to my question. It's noteworthy, according to the judge, that Mr Burke does not deny that he refused to respond to that critical question and he has continued to maintain that stance throughout this appeal. He has offered no credible justification for maintaining that stance, nor identified any credible reason why he is unwilling to disclose his intentions on this central issue. According to Justice Maura Whelan, in my view, having due regard to the ethos of the school, its published mission statement, etc., etc., the principal and deputy principal had a clear obligation to pose the said question to Mr Burke and an immediate need in the proper discharge of their functions and duties in law to ascertain with clarity and candour from Mr Burke how he proposed to conduct himself in the school setting vis-à-vis the student in question. His refusal to provide clarity as to how he proposed to address, treat and engage with the student in question presented a substantial issue of concern to the management of the school, not alone in light of the student of the school's statutory obligations, but having a regard to the fact that it stood in law in loco perhendis to the student in question. Mr Burke does not deny that he did not provide the reassurance sought in the email by the principal. It was abundantly evident that he had no intention of complying with the said request. Thus, the principal and board of management at the school were confronted with a state of affairs from and after the 27th of May 2022 that Mr Burke did not intend to communicate with this student in accordance with the wishes of the said student or the student's parents and the requests of the principal. So that was a problem facing the board of management and the principal. When the court inquired of Mr Burke at one of the hearings involving one of his applications or motions, when the court inquired, you'll see there, of Mr Burke how he anticipated interfacing with the student, he chose to answer another question in the first instance, stating the request was unlawful. When he was requested to indicate how he intended to address the student in question, his answer was equally evasive. I certainly wouldn't have addressed them in an unlawful, in a manner that did not act, wasn't in accordance with the law. 
Having indicated how he intended not to address the student, quite alarmingly, he declined to give a candid or coherent answer to the question how he would actually address the student. He stated, well, that, that hasn't risen in this case. He further and quite extraordinarily contended at no stage had this anything to do with a child in the sense of immediate contact or being in the vicinity or an interaction such as the one postulated by the court. That is absolutely not the case and this speaks to the absurdity and the legal absurdity of the whole thing. This is entirely inconsistent with the position he'd outlined to the court earlier and as recorded at page 19 of the transcript where he asserted that all teachers have interactions with all pupils. It goes without saying that the school and also Mr Burke were acting in loco parentis vis-a-vis -vis each student including the student in question. It's self-evident that in the light of the refusal on the part of Mr Burke to disclose how he proposed to interface with the student concerned or what he proposed to do and in circumstances where he communicated a clear intention not to comply with the request of the principal which she considered necessary concerning appropriate social interaction with the student in the school context that the respondent board and the principal would have concerns regarding the discharge of their obligations concerning the protection of the welfare of the student in the school setting. This state of affairs arose not because of Mr Brooks' religion but because his said conduct was potentially untenable insofar as the uncertainty created by his refusal to identify his proposed course of action presented the school with a risk of potential discrimination towards an individual student. So the judge here is observing that the school would be left open to a potential discrimination case if Mr Burke continued to refuse to identify his proposed course of action. The school had a real and immediate need to know how Mr Burke intended to engage with the student. Contrary to Mr Burke's contentions, the safety, health and welfare of the individual student is of central importance in this case. It was incumbent upon the school to ensure that a parental request that respect be afforded by the school for the diversity arising should be accommodated in accordance with the school's own admission statement and characteristic spirit. A balancing exercise required to be carried out between the rights of Mr Burke to hold the beliefs, which he undoubtedly sincerely does, on the one hand, and their obligations towards the student to ensure that conduct, whether act or omission, as could potentially cause harm, would not be engaged in towards the minor. Mr Burke has failed to identify any legitimate basis for his continuing refusal to disclose to the school how he intended to address the student. Religious service in chapel. A particular feature of Mr Burke's approach is the degree of verbal aggression and disrespect exhibited in his engagement, particularly towards the school principal. Such conduct is alluded to as having taken place in the confines of a staff meeting in May 2022. More importantly, on Mr Burke's version, own version of events, he interrupted a formal church service on the 21st of June 2022 at the school at which the officiant was Bishop Glenfield. His demeanour and unorthodox behaviour were very much evident in the course of the presentation of his appeal before this court. He granted himself free reign to speak disparagingly about and deploy language calculated to traduce and demean those with whose conduct or decisions he did not agree. The conduct of Mr Burke at the religious service in the chapel was wholly disrespectful towards the school principal and entirely inappropriate. By the standards of civilised behaviour, his conduct was simply outrageous. 
Mr Burke then, in his defence and counterclaim delivered in January 2023, characterises the events, and we see there at the close of the service, Bishop Glenfield spoke, spoke to Principal McShane, etc., etc., in an affidavit filed on the 12th of September, Mr. Burke swears, deposes that he's quoting from the exact script of my contribution. The judge is asking, though, how the said exact transcript came into existence is unclear, and in particular as to whether he recorded same or attended the ceremony with a prepared manuscript from which he then read. By any objective measure, his conduct was highly confrontational and calculated to cause maximum embarrassment and stress to the school principal and to undermine her publicly and openly in front of key stakeholders, parents, some students, clergy, members of the church hierarchy and other persons connected with the school as well as teachers. The force, or the focus rather, of Mr Brooks' preoccupation appears to have been ostensibly directed towards the spiritual development of children. That is, of course, one of the important factors specified in Section 9D of the Act. However, however, other considerations such as the moral, social and personal development of the student are equally relevant and encompass the need for mutual respect to be engendered as between teachers and students and between, between students inter se. Respect for equality, diversity, human dignity, inclusivity, tolerance and the safety, health, mental and moral welfare of the particular student are not to be debased or reduced to nothing in the balancing exercise necessarily arising pursuant to the Act and were not addressed or engaged with at all by Mr Burke who, in effect, contends that they were not relevant. Neither does the Act permit a teacher to construe or impose obligations concerning the spiritual development of children in such a way as to discriminate against a student or to unilaterally impose values not shared by and contrary to the wishes of a student and their parents. By any measure, the disruption of the chapel service in June 2022, at which the bishop was officiating, was wholly unorthodox, and Mr Burke's lack of insight into the inappropriateness of his behaviour speaks to either his inability or unwillingness to engage in dialogue or discussion, as one might conventionally expect to find in a school setting, where, through the mechanism of dialogue, a means would be arrived at which would be mutually respectful of the teacher's concerns on the one hand, and the spiritual and moral values of a student and their family on the other. The appellant appears to lack all insight into the extent to which his conduct was inappropriate, undermining, intimidating, contumelious towards and demeaning of the school principal. Even on his own version of events, his behaviour was confrontational and wholly out of place having regard to the nature of the event as a ceremony of religious worship, the wide variety of attendees and the solemnity of the occasion. His approach in all matters appears to be directed towards getting his own way at all costs whilst being incapable and or unwilling to engage in respectful dialogue in an effort to achieve a mutually acceptable compromise which might adequately address his concerns. One is driven to the conclusion that he quite enjoys conflict and confrontation and the passing notoriety his willful and contumacious contempt of court has bought him. From the school's perspective, there was from that date a self-evident need to establish a minimum threshold to protect and vindicate the human dignity of an individual student given their specific personal circumstances and the wishes and views of parents so as to ensure that the student would not be vulnerable to discrimination in terms of the respect to be afforded them and would not suffer less favourable treatment than other student, students and would not be at risk of exposure of potentially harmful or discriminatory treatment.
the school could not reasonably countenance the risk that a student would be exposed to harm in respect of their social and personal development. Contrary to Section 9D of the Act, Mr Burke's sustained and willful refusal and neglect over time to disclose to the school how he proposed to communicate with the particular student from day to day in the daily interface that was integral to school life posed such a risk. It, was also, it also potentially breached Mr Burke's own legal obligations towards the minor in question towards whom he he stood in loco parentis, as already stated. She goes on then to look at the law in uh, the whole question, uh, well, certainly in relation to the duty of care that schools have and teachers have uh, from a tortious or a tort perspective. And uh, she says that the sustained failure of Mr. Brooke to ever put forward any positive proposal as to how he actually intended to engage with the student in question by of late August can only have left the school in a profound level of uncertainty and grave concern with regard to the nature and extent of any risks inherent in his stance vis-à-vis -vis the student body, the management of the school and the welfare of the students, including, in particular, the individual child concerned. She goes on then to look at Mr Burke's submissions and she says that it would be very evident to any right-minded or reasonable person that the continuing conduct of Mr. Mr Burke attending at the school grounds daily is not alone a willful contempt of court but visits anguish and ongoing stress and anxiety upon the minor concerned and those who care about their welfare. She goes on then to deal with the question of religions, religion and the courts will pay every respect to the individual's right to hold and subscribe to religious principles. The constitution demands no less. There is, however, a significant distinction to be drawn between the constitution's protection of individual freedom of conscience and free profession and practice of religion which are, as Article 44 2.1 of the Constitution states, are subject to public order and morality guaranteed to every citizen. She quotes then from some legal textbooks dealing with the Irish Constitution, the duty of care, the constitutional right to freedom of thought, conscience and religion. She looks at the European Convention of Human Rights and she says that in interpreting and applying any statutory provision or rule of law, a court shall, insofar as possible, subject to the rules of law relating to such interpretation and application, do so in a manner compatible with the state's obligations under the convention provisions. So the state has convention, European Convention on Human Rights Act uh, provisions and obligations. She goes on to say Mr. Burke was entitled to hold gender critical beliefs which he says are an intrinsic part of his religion. However, in a school setting where individuals and children of differing faiths and none coming from families where parents subscribe to various faiths, religion or none, a balancing exercise is called for. Articles 9 and 10 of the Convention do not create absolute rights as is self-evident. An individual teacher is not entitled to engage in conduct in a school setting in the professed exercise of his religion which involves violating a child's dignity or generating, creating or promoting an environment in the school vis-à-vis -vis the particular student that is degrading, intimidatory, discriminatory or otherwise capable of creating or promoting a hostile atmosphere towards the student in question. Such uh, would violate Section 90 of the 1998 Act, that's the Education Act, and is contrary to law. So, this judge says that we live in a free and dem democratic society. In the administration of justice, courts must maintain an essentially neutral view of religious beliefs, nor is a court entitled to maintain a stance with regard to the core tenets or doctrinal values inherent in any particular religion. 
In general, each religion is entitled to equal respect. The courts have no duty in adjudicating as to whether a particular tenet or not is encompassed in any particular faith. She goes on to say, I'm satisfied that Mr Burke is mistaken in so far as he contends that the interests of the child in question are not relevant or are not engaged in these proceedings. She says, I'm in entire agreement with the analysis and conclusions of the learned president and Mr Justice Edwards regarding the judgments and orders under consideration in this appeal. So she agrees with the her two colleagues in rejecting Mr Burke's appeal. She says then finally, ultimately contrary to Mr Burke's arguments, as the President has comprehensively set out in his judgment, with which I entirely concur, in the context of the interlocutory injunctions as sought, it is the child at the centre of the controversy who was and is deserving of the Court's consideration in the performance of the exercise of identifying where the balance of convenience lay, and I am satisfied that in both instances, in particular before Barrett J, and indeed subsequently before Roberts J, that exercise and assessment was comprehensively carried out and that the balance was correctly identified in accordance with law for all the reasons specified by the President and further set out in the judgment of Edwards J. herein. In other words, the injunctions that were granted against Mr. Burke were entirely proper and in order. She goes on then to say, in paragraph 82 there, as you see, a curious feature of this case is that Mr. Burke has not appealed the order of committal, that's committal to jail, made in the High Court on the 5th of September 2022. It's very evident from his stance and demeanour before this court in the course of the appeal hearing that he is disposed to comply only with orders that he agreed with and is disposed to defy orders on a continuous and sustained basis as he may find disagreeable. Bottom line is... Leaving aside all legislation, the school and its board had continued on significant common law obligations towards children in respect of which it stood in loco parentis. Mr Burke himself had and continues to have like obligations at law. Furthermore, the admission statement and ethos of the school amount to representations and assurances given to children and their parents on which they were entitled to rely in respect of the minimum standards that will be observed concerning mutual respect for others, tolerance of diversity and inclusiveness to be observed. Further, parents and students were entitled to expect that no individual student would be at risk of less favourable treatment than their peers, of being left vulnerable to discrimination, of not being accorded or treated equally with other students in terms of their human dignity by virtue of the potential conduct of a teacher in the school. So she's saying there that leaving aside all legislation, the school and its board has common law obligations to the children in which, uh, which attend the school and uh, for whom they act, they act in loco parentis. Conclusion. In my view, the appeals against the decisions fall to be dismissed. So she dismisses the appeal. That's the decision of uh, Miss Justice Maura Whelan. She's a former Attorney General. I would suggest that you read it in full if you are interested in this case and if you're interested in the various considerations that the judges would have looked at in deciding whether the uh, injunctions granted against Mr Burke by two different High Court judges were correct, lawful, in order, uh, proportionate and necessary or not. Clearly, the three judges of the uh, Court of Appeal have agreed and I've already made a video about the President, uh, Birmingham, uh, his decision. I would suggest that you have a look at this decision, read it as well. And you'll find the three decisions on my website, employmentrightsireland.com. I'll put a link under this uh, video on YouTube and you can take a look, have a read through all of them and make up your own mind. Hope you find this video useful. If you do, would appreciate if you gave it the thumbs up down below. Thanks a lot.